Somewhere in Johannesburg, on a Monday morning, a woman got up early to catch a train heading to an interview in Pretoria. Her ordeal, which we shared in the previous episode, where a man masturbated and left a stain at the back of her skirt, led her to rather go back home due to embarrassment and disgust. She missed the interview, therefore missed the job opportunity. This is the essence of this series, the plight of women using public transportation and the opportunities missed due to the devastating nature of their commute. My name is Nangam Somatebese Maponya, and I am your host. Welcome to the Women-Centric Transport Podcast. We continue with the episode, with the series, Invisible Commute, which also is available via the Invisible Commutes channel on Spotify. If you haven't done so, please do catch up on our previous episodes, and most importantly, do share with your family and friends and all those who matter to you. This time, we will discuss time poverty, a phenomenon where some individuals do not have enough time for rest and leisure after taking into account the time spent working, whether in labor market or domestic work. Throughout the world, women are affected by time poverty more than men, as they traditionally take up more household responsibilities than men do, which is mostly unpaid. This time poverty denies these individuals of opportunities to access education, health, and achieve personal growth and satisfaction. Spending an extended time period traveling may also add to time poverty. In the second episode of the Invisible Commute series, Valentina Mantoya, who is a professor at Universidad de Los Andes in Bogota, Colombia, and who also directs the Transmedia Project Invisible Commutes on Domestic Workers, she joins me again to share with us what she discovered in Bogota when carrying out this project. Valentina, welcome again. And it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the Women-Centric Transport Podcast and to be engaged with you in this work. Hi again. I am Valentina Montoya, Director of Invisible Commutes. Hola a todos y todas. Gracias por estar de nuevo con Nanga y conmigo. Y gracias a Nanga por la invitación. Thanks again, Nanga. It's a pleasure to be here and to speak about time poverty today. Thank you, Valentina. Tell us a little bit more about this part of your study, which is titled Trip Duration. What have you discovered and what can we learn from the results? Well, today I'm going to speak to you about the extremely long commutes of domestic workers, not only in Bogota, but in Latin American cities. And you will see as you are listening to this, that the stories of Latin America are not so different from the stories that you will hear in African cities. I will start with a very short story for you to start picturing it in the back of your head. So Belen Garcia is a domestic worker currently traversing Bogota from south to north in the mornings and back from north to south in the night for work. Her commute takes around six hours every day round trip. Here is her testimony that you can listen to in the Invisible Commutes Spotify channel in Spanish, and I open quotes. I live in a neighborhood in Usme. I take three hours from the moment I leave home until I reach my job post. 
This is because the SITP buses are very slow. And so I take 20 to 25 minutes walking to catch a feeder bus that connects me to a Transmilenio bus terminal. And the part that takes me the longest is the path between Usmes terminal to Molinos station, because it is a very narrow path. There are no exits. There are no exclusive lanes where Transmilenio buses, cabs, motorcycles, and bicycles share the road. So whenever there is a problem in that path, one remains locked there and one has to get down and walk to find another distant station or wait until the situation is solved. And the trip back home is much slower because the time you gain in the Transmilenio bus, you lose in the terminal waiting for the feeder bus. Often one has to protest or revolt to force it, the Transmilenio company bus, to send the feeder buses because there are too many people and too few feeder buses. I think that the Transmilenio company does not care to bring us back home to those of us who work. And due to this delay, one has to pay for an additional fare because the transfer time window has expired. I speak for myself. My time expires and I have to take an informal transport that adds 1,500 Colombian pesos more to reach home. This is the situation. So although the literature suggests that women commute for shorter periods of time, this is not the case for domestic workers. And that is very important because my research has been breaking with this idea that we have of shorter women's commutes. According to my research, domestic workers are commuting for a very long time in Latin America, longer than many other groups in the city. Research I conducted with MIT engineer Germán Escobar based on the official mobility surveys of Bogotá and Medellín shows that they have the longest trips of all urban occupations in the city. In fact, the average commuting time in Bogotá was 86 minutes per, per trip and in Medellín 68 minutes per trip, which is 42% more than the average female user. This is for domestic workers. I have collected stories of these women commuting in Bogota for up to seven hours daily, for up to six hours in Lima, Peru, for up to five hours in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and for up to four hours in a medium-sized city like Medellin, Colombia. This is too much. There, these are some of the excerpts of my interviews in Bogota, Medellin, and Sao Paulo, and I open quotes. In Medellin, Rosa told me, I take almost two hours in the morning and two and a half hours in the afternoon. In total, I take around four and a half hours in public transportation every day. In Bogota, Argelia told me about one way trip. And then she said, when I go back home, this is in the night, I usually leave my job at 5 p.m. and arrive home between 8 and 8.30 in the night. This means that I take three to three and a half hours to return. At night, there are more people, more traffic, and the buses are more overcrowded. In Sao Paulo, Kelly explained, Santo Amaro is very far from my house. I spend approximately two hours to arrive there. In the case of Lapa, which is also very far, I take more time depending on the traffic jam. I leave work around 4.30 and usually arrive home at 7.30 or 20 minutes before eight. The afternoon is worse. So I want the audience to imagine spending all of this time in a crowded vehicle without the possibility of stopping to go to a restroom, paying constant attention not to be robbed, harassed, or discriminated. It is not free time to read or rest. It is lost time. So this time they spend commuting is time they do not have to participate in politics, rest, take care of their families, enjoy their free time, or do anything else they want. It precisely signifies 
time poverty, which is the concept that we're discussing today with Nanga. But why are domestic workers commute so long? Because that is something that you might ask. Well, be first, first of all, because of the lack of proper infrastructure and services to properly connect the residential sites of the cities. Both where domestic workers live and where they work, uh, this is very, very limited. For instance, in the case of Medellin, when you go to the high income neighborhood of El Poblado, where many domestic workers find their job posts, you find many places where sidewalks are completely absent or destroyed. I invite you to check a post I wrote for the organization's FEMS et bill called A Miracle for Who? Domestic Workers Invisibility in the Formalization of Medellin's Public Transportation System. In this post, I have pictures of the sidewalks and I'm, that I'm referring to, which are destroyed infrastructure that domestic workers have to traverse every day. When I conducted my field work, I even had a minor accident because of the state of these sidewalks. Likewise, in my research, I have found that in many high-income neighborhoods of Lima, of Bogota, and of Medellin, there is very limited or completely absent public transit, which is a big problem for these women. Both in the case of precarious sidewalks and limited or absent public transit, the reason is exactly the same. Planners consider these are, these are sites mainly for the private cars of the residents that inhabit these high-income areas. They ignore that many domestic workers have to get there every single day. They also ignore, as many other people in our societies, both Latin American and African society, and this is a huge gender issue we have to pay attention to, that the care work that these women perform is work, and it is fundamental to sustain our lives, and it requires proper transit. When I ask them about it, they argue that cities have very limited financial resources and that they had to prioritize how to use the available resources in other areas of the city. But also that high-income residents do not want public transit to cross close to their houses because their property will become less ex exclusive and its market value would decrease. And so here there is a class issue that also permeates where do we invest and who do we care to invest for? And definitely domestic workers are not the priority in our cities. Although as we told you in the last episode, there are a vast um, number of women who have to cross cities every day. Just to recall, one uh, in every five women who perform, who, who earn a wage in Latin America is a domestic worker. So this is not a minor group, but still they are not getting the resources. So now, for now, this is what I want to tell you about the situation, and I hope the picture is very clear in your head. Wow, Valentina, this is extreme time poverty in my view, and I cannot imagine this continuing unattended. I cannot imagine the devastating impact of this issue to these women and their families and to the society. But this is something we're going to have to touch on later in the episodes, right? I'm very excited to put this information out there. For the listeners, if you haven't thought about it, think about the stories that Valentina has shared. Think about the domestic workers in your space, in your home. And ask yourself if you've ever considered how they get to your home, how they get to leave their families and come in service your own family. If you have a family member that does this work, speak to them. Get to understand what their experiences are. 
if we can't change anything, let's at least recognize and join forces in trying to sympathize with this country, with these people. Thank you, Valentina. But what I'm interested in at this point in time is what has been done to change this in Sao Paulo? Okay, so here there is a, a flip side to this horrible story that I told you, which gives us some hope about what has been done and what can be done about the situation. As I wrote in a blog for the city fix called Latin America's 17 million domestic workers need better access to work, direct transit routes can help, which you can read. I here tell the story of how in recent years, the city of Sao Paulo in Brazil built the last line of the metro connecting directly a high to a low income neighborhood. According to domestic workers interviewed, this reduced their commuting times by two hours per day. This is huge when you multiply by 20 days per month. It is 40 hours to rest, enjoy leisure time, take care of their families, participate in politics, or in general, do whatever they want with this free time. This is a real measure to counteract the huge time poverty they face. What was important here is that they recognize that high income neighborhoods are sites of work and they are sites of work for these millions of women. And so this is something that if Sao Paulo did, other cities as big as Sao Paulo uh, can also implement in their own areas and greatly improve the lives of these women. It all boils down to what can be done to improve the status quo, right? I, I think you agree. So what can be done across the world to improve this? And what can we learn from what Sao Paulo has done? Please share a little bit of, of your proposed ideas on how we can solve this issue for the world. Sure, Nanga. So, so here are some of the ideas that we can bring to the table to reduce the duration of domestic workers' commute around the world. Definitely, I'm following the example of Sao Paulo in Brazil. Governments need to invest in better connections to the residential areas, not only in low-income neighborhoods, because that is something that, for example, many governments in Latin America have done, especially with IRL cables, but also in high-income neighborhoods where this vast group of women work. It is not just the residents who move around on a daily basis across these areas. So that is a first idea that has already been implemented and is very successful. Second, pedestrian paths must be built where there are none and they must be repaired where they are destroyed. If we want to promote sustainable mobility through active mobility, then having proper sidewalks is necessary. This would greatly benefit not only domestic workers, but also society as, as a whole. And finally, cities must create public policies and long-term plans that explicitly include domestic workers. It is not acceptable that a city like Bogota that just adopted a territorial ordering plan for the following decade, planning how the city will be built, there's to call it a plan that is centered around care work when it explicitly excludes paid care work. In other words, it explicitly excludes domestic workers from, from its planning instrument. As a matter of gender equality, transportation justice, and of the right to the city, we really need urban planning instruments that take domestic work seriously as the force that pushes our societies forward and to respond to the needs of these women who have been ignored and silenced for centuries in our countries. So this is all for you today and back to Nanga.
this is my favorite part. So what I love about these conversations is that we're not only raising awareness about the desperate situations women commuters find themselves in, but we create a space where we can share ideas and in many cases, like it is in this case, implementable solutions. I do hope you have learned something from this episode. If you can't change much, at least for now, all we're asking is do recognize the plight of so many women who take care of families across the world, their own families and other people's families, the sacrifices they make, and recognize the need to at least make their travel journeys more bearable. While we can't change the work they do, we can at least rob them less of the time they should be spending with their families and time they should be dedicating to other productive and growth-oriented activities. Thank you again, Valentina. Looking forward to the next episode where we will be discussing cost of travel for the domestic workers. Again, if you believe in this cause, join me in this journey. Let's keep moving. Thank you very much, Valentina. Thank you, Nanga. See you soon.